London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to the London Property Podcast. Today we're in conversation with Tina Stott, who has created the most beautiful oasis in the centre of town, has been involved in this project from the word go. Tina, welcome. Thank you so much, Farnas. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So when you first got the property, it was already six and a half thousand square feet. Yep. You lived in it for a while before you decided what you wanted to change in it, which is a really good way for somebody to actually embark on works, having experience actually living in the property. So tell us about how that idea came and and how you started the whole project as somebody who's actually not a professional property developer, but a homemaker. So living in the house for 10 years, uh, we started to realize that, you know, you had cracks that were coming up, you had uh, windows that needed replacing. And instead of just doing it sort of bit by bit, we decided we were going to move out and uh, add another floor because we wanted the extra square footage, not just for investment purposes, but also because we needed it because of all the kids. We'd had a baby in the meantime. Uh, We've got six kids between us um, who keep coming and going. So we needed the extra space. So we moved out in 2011. And um, after about a year of, you know, going through all the planning permissions, uh, took two and a half years, moved in. And the builders said they were leaving uh, in November. We moved in in August and the builders did not leave until the following May. So, but at least it gave me a chance to be there and to make sure that things were being done. I mean, I was coming and going all the time. Uh, But it was just the realization that I wanted something new and I wanted something fresh and I wanted to sort of add, you know, quality to the house. I mean, it's it's a stunning property and what you've done with it is just incredible. So um, you had a lot of help. Uh, in doing the project, and in particular, your architect, Rabbi Hajj, yeah. who's a fantastic, talented interior architect. So Lebanese, just, I have to say. Lebanese, <laughs> of course, like yourself. Like myself. So tell us about, uh, you know, you know how does, how does somebody in your position start, you know, with the, with the first step? It's actually funny because I actually bumped into him by mistake. So he wasn't my first choice. I'm really sorry, Rabia, That's, but it's the truth. I had um, a different architect um, and a whole different building team. And it was, it just wasn't going the way, I, could, I didn't feel that there was this connection. So after about, and that's why the project took so long, but after about sort of a year of really not getting anywhere with the people that I had chosen originally, um, I bumped into Rabia and... Um, there was just a connection. There was a connection in the sense that, of course, it wasn't just the Lebanese connection, but he understood exactly what it was that I wanted. And um, he understood what I wanted the house to be. So he, not just from a functionality point of view, but aesthetically as well. And we worked really well. And it took, uh, you know, as I said, about three, three and a half years uh, till completion. But we, we just got on. We got on really well. We just clicked. So that's actually one of the most important things, isn't chemistry. it? Chemistry, yeah. The chemistry yeah. has to be right yes. and the person has to realise what your dream is. So they have to see what's in your mind's eye yes. in order to actually start yes. and, and, and deliver a project. And what's amazing about the way that he works, I think, is how he uses some very natural um, finishings in and amongst the elegance. Um, so he has something in, in, his, in his portfolio which is called Rough Lux. And basically what that is, is 
And you can see it when you look at the kitchen in the house, for example, where, you know, we peeled back all the paint and we found um, the brickwork, the original brickwork. I mean, there were things stuck in the brickwork. There was like a bottle of beer, a can of beer that was stuck in the brickwork. And I said, don't touch it, you know, just leave it exactly as it is. Some builder, obviously, sort of, I don't know, a hundred years ago or more, as they were building it, had, you know, sort of stuffed a can of beer in, in, inside one of those bricks. And we left everything the way it was. And we completely, um, yeah, we just wanted the house to shine through. And we wanted the age of the house to shine through as well. So we just left it. We just decided that we we're going to do modernize, but also really have a lot of respect for the original bits and pieces of the house, like the brickwork, like the cornicing. We left it. And um, I mean, the, you know, I don't, I don't know an awful lot about uh, property development. I haven't, ex I mean, I've experienced it for our own property once. And one thing that I've learned is that actually stripping back is the best place to start, right? So there's no hidden surprises. You strip back to the, to the, to the bare bones and then that way you can mitigate a lot of the problems. Is, is that the approach you took or is that something you learned after the fact? I completely stripped it back to it's literally the bare bones of the house. So you could walk into the entrance on the ground floor. We even took the roof off. So there is one point um, which absolutely shocked me when I walked in and I could actually see the sky from the ground floor. And this is a, you know, it's a four story house. Um, and I could see the roof because we just gutted the whole place from literally from beginning to end. And um, what was what was giving you the inspiration? I mean, what, was it that it was a constant dialogue with, with Ravi to to figure out what to do next or you had already bought into his style? And So I'm not very organized by nature and I kind of tend to be very spontaneous. So I would see something and as I went along sort of on a, which actually for an architect is not the simplest of things because, you know, they like to be organized. They want to know, you know, when they're going to be doing things, um, uh, a schedule. He wanted to work to a schedule. And for me, it was like, you know, I'd walk into a hotel or someone else's home or... I travel on my travels and I'd see something and I'd call him and say, okay, well, instead of this, we're doing this. And he was just very easy to deal with because chop and change is not what they like. They, they, they want that sort of regimental schedule. Um, but I just, I just wanted, whatever I saw gave me inspiration. And I managed to bring together the things that we'd had from before. So Jacob was living in Tokyo and in Singapore. I was living in Saudi and London, and we brought all our stuff together. And that was another prerequisite, was we need to use what we've already got because we'd obviously um, sort of collected some lovely pieces along the way over the 10 years or so. And um, Rabia was able to bring them all together. And yes, I knew what I wanted, but I'm not the technical person. So I used his technical expertise to help me place objects, you know, uh, size-wise, how are they going to fit, uh, all the technical stuff was him. And I think a lot of the aesthetic sort of um, textural stuff was a lot to do with me. But it just we just worked together. It was a, it was a good balance. It was a really good balance. And um, were you actually purposefully going out to exhibitions and shows and trade shows and you know, you were really hands-on throughout the whole thing. There was nothing I didn't do, uh, whether it was, you know, Art Basel, Design Miami. We picked up pieces everywhere. I mean, there was one time, I remember we were in, uh, 
in Basel and we entered into Design Miami. I think it was the first year that Design Miami was actually showing in Basel. And um, I remember my husband saying to me, please don't spend any more money. And I remember coming out with four tables, six chairs, mirrors. Uh, but, and now he loves them because these are beautiful and they're design pieces. And that's another thing that we really didn't have in the first 10 years. So I'm not saying that we, it, it was done you know, sort of cheaply, but it was just done in a very sort of commercial kind of way. So we were using you know, shops that, were, that everybody knew about. Um, and Design Miami really inspired me to go for the one-off piece, the design piece, which I love. And, you know, some of them have done really well investment-wise and others I just love and don't care about the investment um, aspect of them. But, and that's something that my husband has really sort of appreciated because people come in and they go, oh, wow. And he loves that. What's actually really important about what you just said is that when you go through these expenses of getting a house interior designed, it's really important not only from an investment point of view, but it's also why you waste? You have to live with it. So that you have to then get sick of it and then, you, you know, you, you need to try and find someone who will take it away from you. Whereas if you actually invest in pieces that have value and are important from a design point of view or who created them or what they... It's like art. You, yeah. you know, you have to love it. You can't just buy it because you may think that it's going to do well. I mean, obviously, if it does well, it's a huge advantage. It's a bonus. But you really, it's, you know, you're living with this piece, so you have to love it. You have to love it. And then also, I suppose uh, the thing is that you have to be quite patient when you take on a project like this. <laughs> oh. My God, so patient. Right, because you can't just say, right, today I'm going to go and furnish the whole of the sitting room because you have to find those pieces. They've got to speak out to you. They've got to fit in with everything else that's there. So if you were to say to somebody, right, if, if you're trying to manage your expectations, expect, you know, a build of something. I mean, it's what, close to 10,000 square feet yes. of property. So to expect the, 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 the bones to take X amount of time and then is is the interior kind of an ongoing project that doesn't it's really never end? Ending. Yeah. It's never ending because it's a work in progress. So even when you move in and you, you have obviously your major pieces, you know, your kitchen is done, you keep adding. And um, sometimes you change um, because, you know, you, you realize that this piece it shouldn't be here. It should be somewhere else. So it's a constant work in progress. And you, um, it's, it's, it's evolving. It's alive. You know, a house is alive. It's not something that you just um, sort of do up and then it's finished. For me, it's, it's, it's constant thinking about where things are going, where you're placing them. It's, it's, it feels like it has, it has to have a soul. For me, it's very important. And talking about souls, your house is very comforting. It's like once you walk in through the door, you actually just want to stay there. You don't want to leave. Especially, you know, people don't put so much value on basement additions and basement digs. But in, in the case of your house, you know, you want to be in that bar and in that cinema. You want to use that room for a massage in your hammam. And I mean, you really created spa, something exceptional yeah. down there. We love it. Um, in the beginning, we thought that we'd have a pool and we thought we'd just have a lap pool. But um, A, cost-wise and maintenance and all that sort of... And we so 
you know, we sort of bin that project and decided that we were going to have a, 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 like a, what we call an adult area. So, you know, we have a special system that filters the air because I was thinking you could have a cigar room in there and people could smoke and they could watch, you know, big screen TV like a movie. Uh, we also have the massage room. We have the wonderful steam room. So it was done. Um, it was done up for as an adult space. And uh, we've used it a lot, actually. And the people who use it most are my adult children. So I, I can I can assure you there have been some amazing parties down there. And once you close the door, we also soundproofed it. So you can't hear what's going on anywhere else in the house. And again, it's added, you know, it's the benefit of adding the square footage. But, um, and the roof, you know, we added the roof. We have this wonderful roof. And one of my um, biggest desires was to have a, a jacuzzi up on the roof. And that was logistically impossible. What we managed to do, we had to close the road because we had to crane it up there. Um, and again, you know, it's worked amazingly well and we've used it often. And it's uh, something that, you know, being up on the roof is like being on holiday. You don't feel like you're in London when you're on that roof. So, yeah, no, we've done a lot to the house. We really, um, it's basically all our fantasies and our dreams um, were put into this project. Both of us, both myself, my husband, obviously, and the kids also had input. That's really wonderful. And also, uh, you know, talking about the roof, you've also got a really beautifully big garden with an outdoor fireplace, which, you know, when you designed it, it you didn't know that life was going to change and actually outdoor spaces to use all year round are actually quite a vital part of our life and existence now. Yeah, the garden has played a huge part in, uh, especially with COVID, um, we also wanted it to be low maintenance, so there's no grass, but we've got, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the area where you can go and sit and you've got sort of at the back of the garden, you've got the trees and the flowers and the, you know, sort of the raised flower beds, but, um, very low maintenance. Again, Rabir was very good with that because we use these concrete, uh, tiles that literally need zero maintenance. And that helped a lot because, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, A, the expense of it and, and B, the, the constant worry about how am I going to keep it clean? So what's your, which one is your favorite room? If I it's, think it if has it's to, possible to choose, I, I that is. I think it has to be my bedroom. Uh, it's just so zen. And I think once I go into my bedroom and I close the door, I just feel like I'm cocooned. Um, and it's, the bedroom is very simple. So we use sort of very muted colors. The color scheme is very muted. But I just love the idea of the fact that it looks onto the garden. So you've got these three huge windows that look onto the square. And, um, you know, in the summertime with the trees, it's just gorgeous. And it's on the second floor. So you really get a, a proper view of the square. And the square itself is beautiful. People don't realize how pretty Earthquart Square actually is. It's uh, one of the squares that sort of wins awards quite often. And it's just stunning. I love it. I love being in that bedroom. And it's very quiet. Very. Yeah. And don't forget, you're flanked by two very busy roads. So you've got Earlscourt Road on the one side, and then and you've got Warwick uh, Road on, on the other. But once you're in the square, it's like a little oasis. So that was another I, I always say that actually um, your property is located in a place that's for people who are comfortable with who they are and what they represent in life. It's not for the postcode snobs. It's for people who want to actually really appreciate a beautiful home, centrally located, and, you know, as you say, an oasis you walk into and you just don't want to leave. 
And it was that, it was the space that attracted us to the house. So, um, I mean, Earl's Court Square 20 years ago, I mean, I don't think I knew anybody that lived in Earl's Court Square 20 years ago. And now, of course, with time, we've been very lucky because the house has been a great investment. But um, we we wanted the space. You know, we had five kids between us. He, My husband had three kids from his first marriage. I had two. And we needed the bedroom space because, you know, the kids were visiting constantly. My two lived with us. Um, and, you know, subsequently we've gone on. We've had n- number six, basically, now. So, And this was a house that c- could accommodate each and every single one of us. And we never felt that we were on top of each other. Everybody had their own space. And that was very important for us. So can we tempt you to do another project this large again? Never. <laughs> Never. I will never, ever do another. It actually, I I wish Rabia was here, but um, I think I would, towards the end, I think I might have had a small nervous breakdown. (laughs) Um, So I will never do anything so large. And also we don't need it because our kids are so much older and they've sort of gone on to do their own thing. They're all living, you know, their own lives. But um, it was fabulous to do up. I love the house. I'm very proud of the house. I'm very proud of what We've all accomplished as a team. You really have done an incredible job. I mean, you know, I've been in this industry for 30 years and that house is one of those houses that you'll never forget. You you know, you'll never forget the feeling you get being there. I find it quite hard to actually leave when I go. And that's actually very important because even though, I mean, with the volume of the house, it could have looked very ostentatious. And that's another thing that we didn't want. We wanted it to be a home I mean, I think now, you know, I've got this, this, the marble in the front. I know that, you know, you, you've seen it on the video. And maybe that soon I will change and maybe put wood instead of the marble in the entrance hall, I, just to give it a little bit more warmth. But I just didn't want the house to be ostentatious. And, you know, even with the volume of the rooms, you still feel that there's a coziness about it. And yeah. that was also very important. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, it has been fascinating talking to you. Thank you very much for uh, speaking to us today. Thank you. uh, I've really enjoyed it. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.